What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello. Welcome. Life let's chat. It's hard. You want to talk? I know. That's disappointing. Sit back. Let's work this How's out. How's it going? What are we doing here? Where are you going? Welcome to Trauma Bonded. I'm Ellie Westberg here with Therese Garcia. Hello. And today we're discussing, this is actually happening, episode 291, What If Your Wife Had 21 Personalities? A man grows up poor, embraces racism and music, and then has a chance encounter with someone who begins to transform his mind. Through church, he meets his wife and over the years comes to know of her own abuse and suffering via her 21 personalities. He takes care of her as best he can, but loses her in the end. But he discovers who he is. And full disclosure, I am the showrunner for This Is Actually Happening, and I have the privilege to vet stories and conduct pre-interviews before they go to Whitney for the final interview. And T knows nothing about anything. She comes in fresh. And this show, Trauma Slash Bonded, is for you, the listeners. It's a space where we can talk about each episode, digest it, and reflect on it with empathy and also a bit of levity. T. Hmm. What's, what stuck out to you as a story? Well, the I think uh, the biggest thing here was just around love. So the love for his wife, right? The love that he had um, for the 21 personalities she had, mm. that kind of unique bond that they had. Um, and eventually a love and care for himself as well. Mm-hmm. But he was so committed to her. Yeah. You don't think a bit codependent. But, but no, nor, I, that's neither here nor there. I mean, you can <laughs> still have love there. Are we going to argue this episode? Oh, I don't think so. Like or you seem excited. excited. But well, uh, maybe. Maybe. I guess it could 
be a little could have. I didn't really think of that. I mean, if you think about our last episode, we talked a lot about how codependence it expresses itself in this need to fix others, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And even though he's he's committed to his wife because he loves her, he does seem to think that he's the only one that can fix her, which is also not entirely true. Like, at least he does have, you know, he does take medical intervention seriously eventually and he buys all that therapy but you're i mean you bring up an interesting point like thinking about love for these multiple person or these these alter personalities as if they're their own entities and he really does talk about them like they're their own entities yeah i mean it's sort of strange it's a strange idea to think that you can love something that only exists in someone else's mind but we exist in our minds ellie oh god yeah but we also physically exist well yeah but they i mean they physically existed too in her mind in her body i guess they do sort of take over her body yeah strange i mean We've developed our own personalities. Just one. Just the one. But it makes you think. Yeah. About ego and id and all that stuff. And coping mechanisms. Oh, yeah, especially, for sure. It. I mean, to me, that's the most genius part of it thinking Mm -hmm. about how the brain what the brain is capable of doing to protect ourselves once it's Mm -hmm. been subjected to trauma or loss it's kind of magical i mean if it can be diagnosed it sounds like they were prepared to live with it yeah i mean yeah he pretty much hung out with sophie a lot of time and izzy right and that was cool. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that, though. Good. Are you finished with your heart? I had another heart. Oh, go on. And this one was more around our human capacity to love, endure, and find hope. Even, you know, thinking about all this terrible tragedy and trauma that occurred throughout her life yeah wow yeah i mean she really did all she could do to yeah endure have hope things can change that they can finally have a family of love where their abuse doesn't exist we're capable of a lot more. Yeah. We're also capable of a lot of terrible things, which was really Truth. expressed in this episode. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a heart in and of itself. What humanity is capable of, good and yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks. Um, my How about heart, you, Ellie? Yeah. Um, My heart... I think the heart of the story is 
identity, ironically. Ooh. I'm loving these one word ones we're doing. <laughs> he, like Matthew, he's like this all in type of guy, right? He really does go through this search for belonging, sort of his place in the world, his destiny. And I think ironically, it's, it's he's searching for identity. And I think it's ironical because we say that she's got disassociative identity disorder. So mm-hmm. it kind of works out there. All of his experiences that we hear about are sort of through like isms and is. He starts out this detached sort of outsider because he's poor, which is, you know, sort of classism. And that automatically makes you feel sort of less than. And I'm just drawing this line for myself. This might all be bullshit. And then he tries to achieve like superiority through racism. Right. And really outside of this white power bullshit, music was probably the thing that could have set him free. I believe that. So I feel like he was close, but he just got waylaid by the racist shit. And then to take that place it, it is religion. And and of course he did he did really well at that. Again, he's all in. He becomes like the head salesman of the Jehovah's Witnesses and he leads seminars and whatever they do to to get people's money. And then his wife has DID and now he can really throw himself into something, right? So he learns or he leans into his codependence and fixing his wife and sacrificing himself and his identity is completely wrapped up in saving her so then she dies and now he's only left with himself and now it's like he's finally found it he has identity in himself and he you know the way he expresses that at the end he's he's living it out loud i mean it's actually quite beautiful i love that ellie yeah showing his growth there and he just threw that codependence in. I mean, I think one. it was part of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, could be. But it's sort of like a phoenix rising from the ashes. Like, his codependence made him be all in because he, you know, he recognized that he was the only one that could be sort of her protector and her advocate and her help. And they've got a household, they've got the kids. And so he threw himself all in. We know that kind of life wasn't sustainable really it was showing up in his body and if she wouldn't have unalived herself i mean who knows what the result might have been the toll it could have taken on him and their marriage but with her death he's able to rise out of that like anew i mean i don't want to mm-hmm. say this but i'm going to say it. it just occurred to me as he sacrificed so much of his life for her, mm-hmm. she really ended up sacrificing her life for him so that he could finally live. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he would characterize it like that. What do you think about that? That's sad. Just feels like they never could have been happy together. Which oh. also confirms what I'm saying about codependence because it's like this reciprocity right with codependence both parties can't be like equal and high it can only be one at a time so he could only live if she died 
Oh my God. Yikes. Well, he was giving up so much of himself. Yeah. It was an inevitable end. Like something was going to break. He was really suffering. And eventually she had to give up a lot of herself. She lost all the, all the other personalities. Right. That was an, maybe an unintended consequence of taking medication. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's back up for a bit. Beep, beep. Good one, though. I like that identity. Um, I mean, I thought his racism was really interesting. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> talks about, he talks about it himself. Not that racism is interesting per se, but I think it's interesting to study where it comes from. You know, people aren't born racist. We, we learn it from something or somewhere. And it clearly wasn't a tenant of the home. You know, no, not at all. Himself. It wasn't something that ha- happened in the home. Um, it may be inherent in the way that the city of Nashville was set up, which is, I'm sure, based on you know, hundreds of years of racism that there just isn't race mixing. So, you know, there's already that sort of inherent view of, of who your peer group is. So I can see how that seed started to form. But then when he, you know, actually expressed it with this tattoo on his ankle and his mom Mm -hmm. fucking cut it off him. (laughs) So pretty clear message. And so I agree that so wholeheartedly that Matthew is no longer a racist. Okay. Um, so so the Jehovah's Witnesses show up to his door. And this is, I think, the biggest turning point in his story, obviously. And, you know, a lot of people accuse us of being an anti-religion, God-hating atheist podcast Maybe I'm just hoping people yes <laughs> that way, but um, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the church uh, mm-hmm. that a boy where it's due. Finally, the church for the win, because this the church experience really transforms him. You know, he was open. He had this desire to learn, but he also had this desire to have community and to have the feeling of family. He desired spirituality. And he got that from joining the Jehovah's Witnesses. So good on you, church. You did what you were supposed to do for once. Good job. Sorry, am I too religion hating? I know you don't care. I hate, I know you oh. hate it more than I do. Jeez, just telling everybody what I'm <laughs> thinking. And then maybe not what I'm thinking. I was giving a high five to the church. Oh, Yeah. No, I think I'll they really credit credit they really saved him. I mean, the fact that he was even open to talking to the two black men that came to his door instead I mean, of just dismissing of his, his his deep search for identity, but also what he says too is desire to learn. You know, people that maybe are stuck or feeling frustrated or unhappy in their lives they can they can find something different if they're still open to learning something new. And since he hadn't closed that off, he was able to, to, you know, have change happen in his life. 
And it kind of just demonstrates to me that that racism wasn't really deeply entrenched in him. Maybe it was more like. Just to fit in or something. Yeah. If you think about like his peers at the time, he wanted to, he was in this metal band and he wanted to be like a badass in the white death mob, which by the way, I, I Googled it. There's no record of that in California. So maybe this was just in his own mind that they were a gang, but whatever, you know, or maybe just, they failed. It's just these little ways that we make ourselves fit in. And, and sometimes it has dire consequences and we, inadvertently join a hate group and maybe eventually that hate grows so deep that you can't get out of it and it is really your identity but i think he was just always searching and he might have called himself a racist and got that tattoo but it wasn't really ever him i would like to believe i mean it couldn't have been who opens the door to a black man mm -hmm. if you're deeply racist and then yeah. is open to conversation and is open to learning from him not a racist Probably not a racist. So 10 years into their marriage, she starts having these dreams, these shadowy figures, which they they think are maybe perhaps demons. Um, but luckily for them, they don't just assume it's demons and they get their asses in oh, therapy. Oh, I know. I loved is, that transition. I was yeah. so surprised. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. Um, let's talk about Switch Night, which obviously I think is another turning point, you know, to, to discover their, these personalities is a huge turning point for their marriage, uh, for her mental health. One thing I loved about Switch Night is that she keeps, well, I don't love this part, but she go, she keeps going through this loop, right, of anger to crying to back to herself. And they go through this all night long. And at the end, he says, I don't know if this therapy is working. And they have this good laugh about it. And to me, this like just speaks hugely of the kind of people that they are and about how special their relationship is, you know, to be able to laugh in the face of adversity, to have a moment of levity with each other, and to trust one another so much that you could deflate the tension with laughter. Mm -hmm. That was a big moment for me as a listener. I think it spoke volumes about what their relationship looked like. I thought it was a really lovely moment to demonstrate what they were like together. Yeah, I loved that moment too. I it must have been such a scary night. Yeah. Yeah. And to come at that from a filter of religion. So there, there's everything in you like wants to point to it being like maybe demon possession or something, but to just accept it on its face, to recognize the changes and the difference, it really takes a nuance to it. And then to be able to sort of like relay this in therapy to get that diagnosis, I, I, I just feel like it's like they deserve credit for just being so evolved to not let their religious filter keep them from getting a diagnosis, a true diagnosis. And then, so she's diagnosed with disassociative identity disorder or DID. And I thought the tree metaphor was also really perfect mm. to describe, mm -hmm. uh, to help understand what it is with the trunk being yourself 
and then when you your your mind creates like a safe pocket or a person that handles whatever trauma you've gone through it like creates a branch off that tree it does put some beauty to it yeah with something that's so dark and the reasons for it are so dark and sad well, and I think it really simplifies it too. Like I pro- mm. it's such a complex thing. And we, we plebes or, you know, us idiots, it, we have to be able to understand it. And I just want to point out again, that we're not doctors. Just as we couldn't diagnose each other with narcissistic personality disorder, we don't have much science to offer about, DID either. We're just regular folks. We're just regular folks talking talking about about stories. Yeah. Um, So I recommend a Google if you want to learn more about the DID. Google.com. Like I was going to try to read some research because I thought that that was effective last go, but it's just so much stuff, man. It's too much. Yeah, there's a lot Uh, there. One thing I did find interesting, and he might have said this, but there's no cure for it. Like, it's just once you're diagnosed with it, it's just something you manage for the rest of your life. Well, how does that work? Because the medication seemed to get rid of. Well, maybe it was just masking it, not necessarily a cure per se. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. It was really interesting for me when we met Sophie. Yeah. And how Sophie came about. The last of her memory is when her mom raised her hand up to hit her. Yeah. Yeah. And never actually made that contact. That was really that yeah. was a powerful image. Yeah. Can you imagine beating your kids for being constipated? It's her fault for feeding her whatever she fed her or didn't feed her. Yeah, I know. But she's not going to make that association. Of course not. No, I I can't. I have no idea what is going on with her mom. Yeah, dude. I thought it was really interesting that, you know, Matthew talks about Sophie being like his own daughter. And throughout his time knowing her she begins to trust him like her own like this personality within his wife is changing based on his treatment of her do you think that his love for her healed her that's a really interesting thought it's wild it was maybe healing her Mm -hmm. so that she could feel trust It's weird because I think this best demonstrates what he's talking about when he's saying these are real individuals, these personalities, because they're not just one dimensional, right? Like Sophie doesn't just exist as Sophie. Sophie is changeable. It's responding to how it's treated. She's treated. It's too much. It's a lot. For my brain to take it. Yeah. It's a lot. Anything I mean, to say about Blaze? I mean, every kind of story that he had as to how they 
came about. It just paints this picture. No. It's so fucked. It's just so awful. Let's talk about the beast. You know, this is a personality that came came mm-hmm. from her mother's financial abuse. And so the beast handled the money. When they call it the beast, it kind of, it made me think of the Bible and it made me think of revelations and it made me think of the mark of the beast. And unless you have the mark of the beast, which is 666, um, what we learn from those movies, uh, you've been left behind. Unless you have the mark of the beast, you're not allowed to engage in financial financial transactions. So I'm wondering if that's the derivation wow. of that name. And is that the same for Jehovah's Witnesses? Oh, they believe in like revelations and the end times and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Oh, wow. Or it could just mean that it's the beast fiercely guards their money, you know. That's how I took it, but I didn't know any of that. I assume there was some biblical implication in there. It's just such a specific word. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Gone. I was just thinking about Paisley. We're poor Paisley. What the fuck, man? What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. Just. I, I mean, are we surprised anymore? The sexual abuse that happens from grown man to young women anymore. Just so fucking over it. Just do better. I mean, obviously, it's awful that the mother offered her daughter as a payment for something, but then to have her sex trafficked for a year and then to have men in uniform or these army men abuse her further. I mean, it's just I can't, it's all too much. It just fucking pisses me off. So many people complicit in the abuse of this woman, of this girl. Let's talk about... <laughs> Natalia Mm. is the wife part. Yeah. It's interesting because he talks about how she went on strike, right? She refused to do household things. And it kind of glosses over it. He does. Right? But to me, Uh it sounds a little bit like Natalia is reacting to him being a controlling dick. That's what I was thinking, too. Which he kind of, he admits to early on mm-hmm. in the episode. Yeah. At the start of the marriage, he he didn't know how to be, and these bad behaviors were coming out of him. He was mirroring behaviors that he knew from his stepfather. You know, he had bad role models, et cetera. But he really did gloss over that, unless the edit glosses over it. Um, I really thought that Amber, the recorder... You know that she's recording everything because of her mother. Her mother is like constant gaslighting of her and or warping reality. That's also a fascinating one. I mean, she, it's really painting the picture of what terrible abuser her mother is. And then we get to Raven, abused from the church. This is an interesting one. I also felt like it was glossed over. Yeah, I wanted um, more deeps on that as well. Yeah, he talks about how Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, or the Jehovah's Witness Church didn't treat her well. What do you think happened? 
maybe she had kids out of wedlock or something. Oh, you don't think it was the abuse was specific oh. to her mental illness? You think generally she was abused by the church? I mean, he he doesn't explain himself, so I don't really know what he means. What she gets? I took it to mean it was specific to her mental illness as an adult. And this is what I think happened. I have no proof of this. I am only speaking from a person that comes from a similar church. I wasn't Jehovah's Witness, but I grew up with the fundamentalists and all their belief in the spiritual realm and Satan and demons and all that shit. And um, because of this huge belief in demons and Satans, I... I imagine maybe they, the church wanted to characterize her as possessed mm. rather than acknowledge her DID. You know, there's this idea that man's sort of mental illness is due to sin and obedient mankind will will be cured if you're just obedient. You know, that's sort of a church philosophy. I mean, this is just a guess that they might have accused her of being possessed and denied like an actual mental illness that she could seek help for. So you think it was presenting publicly and in church and stuff, maybe. Or they went to the church for counsel or for prayer Mm. or something. And it was like weaponized against them. Yeah. Or, Or instead of accepting for what it was, Maybe they accused her of being in sin. Well, if it wasn't for your sin, maybe you wouldn't have these issues. I I don't know. I I, I shouldn't be speculating because this is just my guess. But it is clear that Raven was an altar that was created because she did feel abuse from the church. So however that presented itself, I don't know. I'm just speculating. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, um, as far as the okay. personalities go, the the remnants that he referred to, I thought were especially interesting. He talks about, well, interesting and sad. He talks about the freeway. There was a personality that existed for when he went, she went on a freeway, and there was a personality for cityscapes. And he specifically talks about when her stepfather may have sexually abused her in, on, in Twin Peaks. And it made me start thinking, like, we're from the Bay, or we live in the Bay Area, so we understand that when you think of Bay Area, I think two things that you think of in a list of many things are freeways and cityscapes. Mm-hmm. Because as, as 
the Bay Area is it's a big ass place. It's nine counties and traffic is a real thing here, but the the beauty of the city is a real thing here and in the Bay Area we're kind of known among many things, but we're known for freeways and cityscapes and really, you know, I was thinking about that year that she was sex trafficked and they talked about her going from Vallejo to San Francisco, right? Oakland. And or was it Oakland? Oakland to San Francisco? Or Vallejo Oakland to Oakland? Vallejo. Sorry, Oakland to Vallejo. And that's not just like a bit bop and a boop over. You know, that's a drive with lots of mm-hmm. freeways and lots of cityscapes. And I bet my hunch is that because she made that trip so many times over that year, uh, you know, there were certain landmarks that she would pay attention to, certain, you know, roads that she'd be on when she'd have to make those journeys. And I wonder if those specifically developed out of that, those personalities developed out of that year of being sex trafficked between those like two she towns. Knew. She knew when she saw those things that what was coming. Exactly. It yeah. was part of the trauma because there was, because to get from Oakland to Vallejo without traffic, it's what, 30, 40 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. And usually there is traffic. And so there's all of this time she where she's one, either anticipating what's going to be happening to her or two, she's now, uh, it's behind her, but now she's, you know, dealing with what's just happened to her Mm -hmm. so it's like it's like bookends of those traumatic experiences and looking out the window you just see freeways and cityscapes horrible and it seems to me that you can't really escape those things much in the bay area that's all you see when you go travel even when in san francisco you're going to be on a freeway yeah you can't really avoid it and yeah, there there are so many yeah. cityscapes that are known in the Bay Area that people look to as iconic, and and there they exist in not just San Francisco but they exist in Oakland, and I think it's a really interesting way that her her brain again further protected itself for that extra sort of add on trauma around those kind of events. So. I thought it was interesting that he pointed out that Latanya would not show her alter personalities to her children, like her mm-hmm. actual physical children, which is interesting to me how you can sort of control it, I guess. Um, I did do a bit of a research on this. Oh, one. and this is anecdotal, but I think it, it was a revealing bit of information this is from someone's submission on Cora that had a DID and uh, someone was asking specifically how children are affected by a parent with DID. She talks about how having DID protected me from the extreme abuse I suffered as a child. The parts in my system saved my psyche and kept me sane. So she calls the personality, the parts, as does he. Um, DID is very cryptic and shrouded in secrecy. Typically, one part doesn't know about the other until a breakthrough occurs, usually precipitated through therapy, but not always. This was the part that I thought was interesting that he didn't mention. She says, people with DID have parts called 
apparently normal parts or ANP. And she says, in my case, I have four and maybe five ANPs who all answer to the name Lori. ANPs are disassociated from the other parts, just like all the parts in a system. ANPs are usually focused on day-to-day tasks and can oftentimes be single-minded and quite determined in their tasks. One of my AMPs is an incredible mother who took the job quite seriously. This particular part, who happens to be me, I think, made a commitment early in life to be loving mother and vowed to be nothing like the mother I had who was evil and who tortured me. So when he talks about, well, one, he talks about specifically how the mother part of her treated Sophia, or Sophie, yeah, Sophie, like reading that letter to her mm-hmm. about what a mom is supposed to be. But then also, it feels like there could have been a mother, quote unquote, ANP, right? Where Latanya uh, existed to her actual living children. Maybe. Oh. Maybe. So maybe it was a part per se, but it was as this woman described an apparently normal part. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Yeah, but that's a good guess. That's a good guess. I mean, it's just an anecdote from Cora. What about that Um, letter though, huh? Yeah. It's really sad. I mean, it's like a letter that she, I mean... It's like she's reassuring her younger self. Yeah. And yeah, always wanting that reassurance and grace from her mother for just being a little girl. And being scared of going to the doctor. Yeah. Just as you would. Yeah. Let's talk about this uniquely American thing of stealing therapy. Hmm. Which is genius. It's very like pull yourself by the bootstraps kind of Mm -hmm. mental health healing. I can't afford therapy, so I'm going to steal someone else's therapy. It's clever. Um, It's clever. It's genius. It's very American. It's sad. But at least he was attempting to to learn from her her and what she's learned in therapy to help. How do you say it's, why do you say it's American? Because it's like he's he's going to do no matter what it takes. He's not lazy. He's going to pull himself up by the bootstraps. He's going to get himself mm. some free therapy. He's going to get healed. It's just, it's it's a, it's sort of a compliment. and It's like a backhanded compliment. Like there's some ingenuity to it, but it's also kind of sad. Yeah. Because he's got his own issues. He's, he's yeah. battling little sleep. He has these panic attacks. He's not k- taking care of himself. And he's absorbing everything that she's dealing with. So he has to steal some therapy. Because he can't afford to get therapy for himself. Yeah. I mean, that's better than no therapy. I guess. But more personalized therapy might be the best. Agreed. And people don't realize the toll it takes just being a caretaker like he was. We have so many caretakers in this country. We've talked about this before, especially thinking about our boomer parents and they're living longer than ever. And it really does take a toll emotionally, physically, 
financially on caregivers, especially when it's just like in the family, you're not paying someone to do it, but it's right. just spouse to spouse or child to parent or parent to child. It's extreme toil. He's got a full-time job. Yeah. Yes. And he's making a hell of a commute. I don't know where they live exactly, but I think they're in the East Bay. I mean, he talks about driving to San Francisco, you know. Getting up at 3 a.m. At least he's missing traffic. Smart. Yeah. So everything's finally stabilized. The human kids have moved out of the house. And now they're taking trips. There's so much hope. They're enjoying themselves. And then 8 to 22, she's working out. She throws out her arm. And now she hears this buzzing noise. She hears a loud heartbeat. And it like completely transforms everything about her health and state of mind. They go to the doctor. They can't figure out what's going on. So, of course, being good citizens of the world, they are. They do some research. And I believe that she diagnosed herself with tinnitus. I don't know if that was a formal diagnosis. And he, he, in his defense, he does say, take this with a grain of salt. But he says through their research... They decided that she hears this noise and it's tinnitus and it was brought on by a COVID booster vaccine. I also did my own research. Oh. You know, it's so unfortunate that people say COVID and there's just all these polarizing ideas around it. You know, I mean, I have own pe- my own people in my life that are one, either really, really, really hyper defensive of it or two, really, really, really like uh, skeptical of it. So I understand like people for some reason get really hypey, hyphy about talk around the booster, whether it's good or bad, whatever. Um, again, we're not doctors, but I did my own research. One, okay, the CDC won't admit that there is a causal link between the COVID booster and tinnitus, even though there seems to be a more reported cases of tinnitus. And it's hard to say, it's hard to prove that that causal link exists, but there could be correlation to you maybe once having had COVID, like having had COVID could lead to tinnitus symptoms. Everything I read just says there needs to be more pure reviewed research uh, needed before you know um, before they can make a hard line you know confirm that it's a causal link and and we're not here to, to, to deny anyone's health experience or symptoms but I do think that it gets dangerous when we do start to make causal links maybe that aren't necessarily true but whatever He's, he did say take it with a grain of salt, which we are. We're just saying we're not necessarily saying that, that, that the booster did cause it. But we do know, and that, that, that doesn't necessarily matter, but we do know that she did start to experience some severe symptoms like unto tinnitus, which 
from what I've read, is just a really horrible way to live. So regardless of where it came from, it sounds terrible. It's unrelenting. It's a buzzing or a sound. It's always in your brain. You can't get rid of it. But here is a question. Saying it was from a COVID booster, was that important to include in the edit? Hmm. I would say no, but um, initially I would say no. But yes, because it just makes me wonder a bit more about him and them. Do you, you think that's demonstrative of the kind of people they are? They I don't know. Do their own research and come up with that that summary? You think that was the point of keeping it in the edit? I don't know. What was the point mm. of keeping it in the edit? I don't know. But there must be one because, I, I don't know, it just feels a little, a little dangerous to me It's because it's such a polarizing topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I looked up this vagus nerve thing, yeah. but it was just, it was too much science for my wee brain. Sorry. Just know that it sucked for her. And if you want to know more about it, read it your goddamn self. You know, this isn't PBS. You don't have anything I to say nothing. about the vagus nerve? I, well, I can tell you it's not spelled like the town, like you thought it was. It's V-A-G-U-S. So. That's how I spelled it. Oh, well, good for you. <laughs> so... And that's all I'll say about that. It sucked for her. Put a line. It sucked there. for her. It sucked for it sucked her. For her. <laughs> and I, you don't have any quiet time. Yeah, it sounds terrible. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I came across one anecdote. A man said that it sounded like a radio was playing in his head all the time. Like, as a person that's really sound averse, I think that would drive me. It would send me over the edge. Let's talk about this obsessive thought around the candle mm. smoke and it damaging the innards of her nose. What the fuck is that? I don't know what the hell's going on there. Even the DID, like, I'm like, I get it. But then this, yeah. I'm like, I don't, what are you talking about? I've never heard of such a thing. I didn't do any research. I mean, how that. do you research that? I mean, I just know certain people have certain aversions to smoke and some people can get really obsessive over it and, and feel like it's always in them or on them, or they're always smelling it or breathing it in. And I'm definitely not talking about Scott. I was going to say, I wasn't going to say that, but I was like, Ooh, Scott, but this is really specific, but he, Mm -hmm. I will, (laughs) I will say though, that if, if I blow out a candle in the apartment, he fucking loses it. How do you Google that, though? I don't know. I guess something. You can... So maybe that's its own There's thing. There's something. There's something there. So this degrades into 100% stopping eating and drinking for 13 days, which is not possible, but we'll let it go. She loses 100 pounds in a month, which to me says that she had 100 pounds to lose. All I'm saying is I don't want to belabor the COVID thing, but other things I did read said tinnitus can also be caused by having heart issues or high blood pressure. Those can also lead to tinnitus. 
this is why they have trouble proving a causal link. They can't definitively say COVID booster causes tinnitus because if there's underlying health conditions and you don't know, you don't know where it came from, just like this is how, you know, tobacco companies try to get out of proving cancer. You can't say there is an exact causal link, you know, maybe it's lifestyle, maybe it's because they drank too much or they do whatever, you know, it's like, well, you can't sue McDonald's, although people are claiming that you can nowadays, you know, because you're big fatty. Like if you get heart disease from eating McDonald's every day, it's hard to prove that causal link because it's not accounting for every bit of things, everything that contributes to your health as Mm -hmm. a whole. Mm -hmm. But knowing that she lost hundred pounds, it made me think maybe she might've had some heart issues or at least high blood pressure. And that could have led to the tinnitus. And that is all I'm going to say about that. So she gets on meds. They don't say what they are. Well, I mean, what are these meds that she gets on? What are they for? Don't know. Uh, yeah. Don't know. But it does make her feel like it's okay to eat and drink. But she's lost this weight and, and she hates her body because of the excess skin. And because she's on these meds, now she's lost communication with her alters. Like her other personalities have vanished. So That's she's being left too. in such a vulnerable place. And he said it himself, like she just hated being in her body. And I'm sure that means so many things on so many different levels. There's no chance it could have been one of her alters. Oh. Could it have? Oh. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Well, I was hoping you'd know that, but um, how would I know? So I don't know. Oh, because it everything. just occurred to me. You know everything, and you've you know experienced everything. So yeah, I know that's true. But just I just wonder. No, that's a good point. So she unalives herself. Can we just back up a little? Oh, sorry. There's a couple things that he does. To help her get out of it. In addition to, you know, getting her into the mental institu- institution. Oh, you're right. You're right. You know, he wanted to make sure that she felt comfortable in the home, right? Gets rid of everything. Gets rid of everything, moves completely to a new place. Yeah. New clothes, new furniture. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. Especially if you're struggling financially. But apparently he works all this overtime while she's in the hospital and he can come up with this big sum of money. I don't know if they were struggling financially. I think um, trash collectors make pretty good money. After doing it for so long. Therapy was a lot. Well, yeah, that's true. It's a lot. It's Just moving and doing all the things, getting rid of everything and buying everything else. Well, also it's, it's, you're indulging something that you know is not true. He knows none of this is affected. None of this is tainted. There's nothing wrong with the stuff. There's nothing wrong with the apartment. He does that just to appease her. Do you blow out candles in your place? The last time I did it, Scott, about how a conniption fit. Like he was really mad at me for so a really stop. long time. You don't do that anymore. He got me electronic candles for Christmas last year. 
Got it for you for Christmas or for him for Christmas? <laughs> exactly. And then does all this. What's next? Neck tattoo. I don't know. Get a neck tattoo. Such a random throwaway. And he's like, I will. And he did. That's a lot, too. That's a lot, too. He really did whatever he could to make her feel loved. And he didn't and he didn't take advantage of his pop his permanent hall pass. Oh, I know. Big. Huge. He's so committed. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe codependent, like mm. you're saying. Maybe. We're not doctors. And he, again he kind of glosses over it, but when she dies, like he loses twenty one members of his family. Yeah. Your kids are out of the house. You've lost your wife. You've lost all of her parts. I mean, what a lonely existence. But from the ashes does rise the phoenix. And it really does sound like he's now living his best life. It took him a while to get through it. But it really sounds like he's gone through a lot of self-care to even, like, gift himself a massage. I think it's such a big deal. I mean... So many people wouldn't give that to themselves, let alone men. And mm-hmm. he recognized like how important that touch was. It really is. This whole last part, I was just crying the entire time. Oh, when he's I didn't about know living out loud now. Well, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't want her to kill herself. I didn't know it was going to happen. It was just, it was. The whole thing. I was probably crying here and there throughout this whole thing. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. but then in the end, there's hope for him. I mean, can you imagine having a panic attack and just going in the garage and be like, this is it. No. Let me just get through this. No. And he mentions even like, it's not just the touch and the dating and the new girl, but like, He talks about the simple pleasures of life, like now he doesn't have to rush to work and rush home from work and that he can enjoy being at work Mm -hmm. and that he took a trip for himself. I mean, it really is those simple little things. I mean, if you think about like he went from taking care of like this massive household to just himself. Yeah, it's lonely, but it's also... It can be devastating, but then once you lean into it and allow yourself to enjoy the small things in life can be really pleasurable and rewarding and i love his perspective that he has for himself he's proud of himself he can look at himself and go he did the absolute best that he could Mm -hmm. with what he had and what he knew he really did demonstrate love in action like you said love is the heart of the story and then mine also identity he really did find himself himself is enough he is enough and he yeah. lives out loud. Yeah. Remarkable. I'd love to know how he's doing now. That was just a year ago now. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he has some major updates. Let's try to get him on the show. Okay. okay. I feel that way about every single person. That I know. I mean, that's what we're here for. Story. Yeah. Should we do listener comments? I mean, listeners of this is actually happening comments. 
Yours are juicy. Mine are? Yeah. But let me see. Oh. Lee R. says, The gift of grace and true love was the real storyline here. Hmm. The same wavelength. Lee R. A lot of people are saying this was the most beautiful or their favorite episode so far. Oh, wow. I guess there was a lot of that on Instagram, too. I'm confused by this one. Go on. Michael H. says, listening to the kink episodes, fantastic stories, and I love the accent of the dominatrix. He's a bit behind. <laughs> okay. There's a kink series we did like three years ago or something. Okay. Okay. I was like, I don't know. I was confused. Yeah. Okay. So there was a bit of a bit of controversy on Instagram. It felt like pretty it pretty it felt pretty um resolved though. In fact, it was really kind of interesting. Like it started off a little snarky, but by the end, people were really kind to this person. They kind of relented. Uh, but this is from Shka, S-C-H-K-A. They say, I'm too cynical, skeptical, and have too little faith in people to believe his story. And Bryn Langard said, just out of curiosity, which part do you not believe? And then Raw Monsters said, maybe the word is uninformed. Do you know much about mental illness? Which wow. is kind of, yeah. And then no fun underscore 86 said, just curious why you listen to this type of show. And then Penny <laughs> underscore the Duchess Frenchie says, if it helps, I was all in until I heard him call the one he referred to as an abomination numerous times as the beast at the end immediately made me think of the movie Split and Glass. I generally tend to believe what people tell me, so I'm going to remain hopeful that it is all 100% his truth. Very heartbreaking story. And then Heather Rose Becker says... Keep in mind they were very religious, and those are common religious terms to use. Ah, per your note. Uh-huh. And then our original shka, they say, I'm sorry my expressed feelings trigger you. Oh, and then no. shka says again, or that was to, I don't know. And then they say again, most of the stories are amazing. 99.99% I have no problem believing. But this guy is giving me a certain gut feeling. We all have the right to our own opinions and feelings as well as the right to express them. And then they say, whenever someone talks about themselves as a suffering hero slash martyr that always did everything right, that I just have a hard time believing it, which I'm going to agree with that one. I, I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. But it um, didn't seem like he was being. Especially martyry. Yeah. I know. I think it's a perception thing. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing that did turn me off was like when he was explaining how his wife told him that she burnt the, or that corroded the inside of her nose from the candle smoke. And he was like, well, let me look, sweetheart. You're okay, sweetheart. And the way everything he was framing it was like he was just so calm, cool, sweet, 
to her about everything, like the addition mm-hmm. of just calling her sweetheart. I think that can kind of like fall in the territory yeah. that she's talking about. Like, oh, honey, I would never do that. Like, it's just the way that it's framing with that those extra kind of words. Anyway. Um, and then Shka says, funny, you should mention it, but I do in fact have a mental illness due to years of CSA. It's called CPTSD. So your judgment of me is wrong. I am, however, still entitled to my opinion slash gut feeling, just as you are entitled to yours. But then no fun 86 really comes in with a bit of grace and kindness and says, no doubt. I was just wondering about how you identified yourself just like how you said you were cynical and then when I think about cynical person they usually maybe don't want to listen to these stories but maybe that's just something that I don't really understand so that's why I was asking I did get motivated by what you said and looked up his information and he seems pretty legitimate I've had a friend on the show before and they don't know when their episodes are going to air so it's not like he could just could have made himself look a certain way long before the episode from what I saw and what was viewed outright. It appears to be consistent with somebody that's genuine, but I do appreciate your opinion because it's made me question my own, which is always not a bad thing to do. Wow. That's really no good. 86. Aren't you? Aren't you Jesus? And then Scott oh. says, your, your friend is courageous. Sorry. That was rude. I thought it was so nice. No, she's very, or they are very even handed. I appreciate it. I mean, they really came in and like deflated this whole thing. And then Shka has a change of heart. It's like, your friend is courageous. I'd never be able to open myself up like this so publicly. I would be scared of judgment, disbelief, etc. It's a gutsy thing to do. I hope it goes well for him slash her. I actually really like the show. There were only two other episodes that triggered the cynic slash non-believer in me. And then known fun 86 again says that explanation makes sense. It sounds like you are guarded and open-minded. It's a good thing to be. And then raw monsters who, if you remember earlier said, uh, maybe the word is uninformed. Do you know much about mental illness? (laughs) And then they finished up with interesting. I'm wondering why you need to weaponize your own trauma to justify a lack of empathy for someone else's. So then it went, and then it took a bad turn again. Came back, came back around. Yeah, well, that was fun. That was fun. Hati, did you have anything else? No, but I was reading the comments as you were going through them. Yeah. Um, but I just saw that there's photos of Matthew here on Instagram. Oh yeah. Did you see that? No, I haven't yet. And then the the letter to Sophie is on here. How cute. So check it out. Yeah, look at Instagram, y'all. Mm. Uh, not that we endorse a Mark Zuckerberg product per se. Although you oh. can find us at Trauma Bonded Pod Official. Oh, they're a cute couple. They are cute. Okay, T. All right. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Trauma Bonded. You can find our show where podcasts are kept. If you like us, please rate and review us on Apple or other places. Or reach out to us on Instagram and tell us what you really think of us. Like how I know everything and have done everything. 
And thanks to Matthew for sharing their story and giving us the opportunity to talk about it. And thanks to This Is Actually Happening team, including Whit Misseldine and Andrew Waits and the maker of our music and website at Downhill Tromboli. And thanks to Bella, it's one word like Madonna, for editing this episode. You can contact us at traumabondedpod at gmail.com. And I already set our Instagram handle. We are visit our website, which I haven't been to since I made it, at traumabondedpod.com. We are trauma bonded to the story, to the storyteller, to the listeners, and to each other. Thanks for spending time with us today. Love you, T. Love you, Allie.